Hello pod fans and welcome to 200% podcast number 307. Is it? Alright, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, first Saturday of the season. This is the best time I think to attempt to do some semblance of a Premier League preview, you know, once all the teams have started to play. Yeah. Some people in the podcasting world will do their previews and, and so forth before. Okay. But I'm, I think we're boxing clever because we've only got 37 more games now to go. Upside your head Too late, mama Enough I think we'll start with the champions of England. They played Tottenham Hotspur in a they did hotly anticipated match, and well, let's let's just dig in dig into the the real substance of it. There was a tweet <laughs> that went out, a tweet heard around the world. Yeah, at MUFCAH. I'm not sure if this is a, a particularly successful or significant. Twitter, or whether or not they're just somebody who's managed to hit the nail yeah. on the head with a fundamental truth bomb to rattle all of our windows. But they said of yesterday's match, which Tottenham won 1 0, spoilers, I've just realised that Pep called Spurs the Harry Kane team, lost to the Harry Kane team without Harry Kane four times, offered Spurs 150 million euros to become the Harry Kane team. Lost to the Harry Kane team without Harry Kane again. And he still has no hair. <laughs> Cry face emoji. Skull emoji. I think that, that that's pretty much dealt with all of the, the key issues, isn't it? Of the many things that I enjoy about that tweet. <laughs> and it's every single word of it. You know, I know that people are, have been... It's, it's, it's all about the payoff. We'll come back to that. Trust me, we'll come back to that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> every single reply that I saw, in which something was dis- trying to um, defend Pep, yeah, he was all in there, going, "Yeah, 
but he hasn't got a single follicle left on his head. (laughs) (laughs) Really, bringing it back. It's it's, It's... it's politics 101, that. Bring bring it back to the issue that you Uh, want to discuss here. I find that tweet relentlessly funny. Yeah. I've kept going back to it all day today. And it's cheered me up. It's a potted history of both English football's summer transfer saga mm. and also the male pattern baldness. <laughs> I of think he Pep primarily Guardiola. wanted to make a Pepper's ball joke. I think that's definitely them because <laughs> that is a meme on on Twitter. Just to say Pepper's bald is a meme. So it's you know I'll allow it. It does does seem to be it's very much his animus. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I came I came up with Shaden Fraudiola, which is um, <laughs> pleasure at Pep Guardiola's suffering. Yeah, taking taking shameful yeah. joy in the overt failures yeah. of Pep Guardiola, the world's biggest fraud. <laughs> if if some people are to be believed, at least. <laughs> some people, most of whom support either Real Madrid or Manchester United yep. or Liverpool. Yeah, I choose to take a slightly more nuanced view of Pep. <laughs> uh, I, I do find it interesting that football has got to the point now where his team losing any match at all is celebrated with the same gusto you used to reserve to for maybe winning the League well, Cup. Well, do you know what? I, I support Tottenham Hotspur, and it has been noted throughout yeah. the majority of my life. Tottenham Hotspur have been, to some extent or other, the bad guys. Yeah, they're the Harry Kane team now. They're the Harry Kane team now. Yeah, and to actually be in a position in which people are laughing more at somebody else than they are laughing at you. <laughs> Is is not considering everything a bad place to be. No, it's not bad. It was an excellent performance from Spurs yesterday. I was, in a sense, taken back because nobody was expecting it. Like most Tottenham supporters, I felt a bit as though my football weekend had reached its crescendo at about 10 to 10 on Friday night. And yeah, yeah. We'll come back to that. Yeah, uh, at, consider- at considerable length. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, I'm almost kind of not surprised, and my reasons are twofold. Firstly, I really like Nuno Espirito Santo as manager. Um, he yeah. is extremely well spoken of. By Wolf supporters. It is, it is interesting to point out that he doesn't actually have a lot more hair on his head than Pep Guardiola. No, but he we'll has leave got that a, for another yeah, day. He has got a beard. He does have a luxurious beard. Also, not a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you can just kill an argument dead with it. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Ever, yeah. But he is. <laughs> Pep Guardiola is so multifaceted. Yeah. That and if they manage to get something. if they manage to get through everything you've got to say about him being a fraud, there is a word which rhymes with it, which is indisputable. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> so you know you're, you're onto a winner from the off. It was an excellent team performance from a manager who has not got a fair 
crack of the whip. Nor hair on his head. Nor a, nor, nor a hair on his head. He, like I say, he's very well spoken of by, by Wolves supporters. He yep. batted away this constant slew of questions about the Harry Kane saga. It was a saga. With as much dignity as he could muster. And in his three matches of any profile so far, he's drawn with Chelsea, beaten Arsenal and beaten Manchester City. So what exactly do you think my opinion is of him right now? I know that those two matches were pre-season friendlies, but, you know, fuck that. Yeah. You know, they're only pre-season friendlies if you lose. I mean, seriously, fuck fuck playing (laughs) Arsenal and Chelsea in pre-season if you're top. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was an an extraordinary decision on the part of the club to agree to that. I know it was for charity, but... um, (laughs) I mean, for Tottenham Hotspur to set themselves up with pre-season friendlies against Arsenal and Chelsea in the seven days before the start of the Premier League season just sounds like an act of self-harm to me. um, It's true. But, you know, four points from six. Although, having seen Arsenal on Friday night, I'm now a little bit disappointed that Spurs only beat them 1-0. Do we know now where the Harry Kane, he's one of someone's own situation... uh, and how how it where it stands and where it's likely to result. Well, well, the the actual one of our own thing has already been passed on. Okay. To Tanganga, who spent an admirable amount of time booting Jack Grealish up the arse yesterday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> and so they've already given that song to him. Is like you know that I don't I don't know whether that one's going to be coming back for Harry Kane or not. But the the, the thing is that. I think most Spurs supporters now are kind of agreed that he's going to have to go, but we would ideally like it to be in the most embarrassing way for him possible. Um, And we might have to take a financial hit in order for that to happen, you know, because it's going to cost money for him to spend three months in the reserves or only playing in the Europa Conference League. Because he's been named for the squad for that for Thursday night. So, you know, not quite the Champions League that he'd been hoping for. But um, (laughs) it, it is as it was. The contract remains with Tottenham Hotspur. The legal right remains with them. I think that they should... I've come round to the idea that they should just just rinse City dry over him. Because they were so fucking toothless yesterday that... Oh, yeah. I, I, all right, okay, I get it. They need a striker. I don't know if Pep <laughs> is trying to, you know, prove a point or something. The yeah. bald-headed fraud. But, um... <laughs> bald, I don't know. Bonced fraud. His summer business, he's bought Jack Grealish yep. for a hundred million pounds. Yep. So, so another another creative midfield player, something which he had as much need for as just for men, by all accounts. Yep. Uh, his only other piece of business is to sign Scott Carson as a third choice <laughs> goalkeeper. Yeah. So Well, it, we'll, I mean, we'll come back to clubs buying and selling in our readers' questions. Later, I've yes, got some. Yes. I've got readers' questions. Very exciting questions. In yeah, fact, good ones. Very, 
I don't know what they're expecting. <laughs> but we'll do our best. Yeah. The other thing, of course, about Pep is that that's come out this week is that he, like Sir Alex Ferguson, has been uh, extolling the virtues of geese. Yeah. The tactical purity of the goose. Oh, but you think that one of them would have a bit more imagination? Get yourself down here and have a look at a mermation. No, that's coordination. None of these three geese flying in a triangle bullshit. Mermation, that's where it's at. I mean, maybe so. I don't know. I mean, it's difficult to tell, really. They might all, all the starlings might actually just be bumping into each other. And we just can't see it from the, the distance we're at. Well, I'm, I'm sure you could get a camera closer and then zoom in. Well, I suppose so. I mean, I believe that Pep has been observing geese via a drone. Oh, right. See, I thought you were going to say he's been using his head as a satellite dish. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> the, the hits keep coming. This weekend, there was a familiar glowering presence in the Old Trafford dugout. You had mentioned to me, whilst we weren't recording the podcast, that you felt that uh, Manchester United... Key, the key thing that they lost when Sir Alex Ferguson left was their air of invincibility. Mm. That psychological edge that they had where people went, oh, they're going to beat us again. Yeah. And uh, Manchester United played very well mm. on sun, uh, Saturday lunchtime, beat Leeds 5-1. Mm. And I can't help but notice that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has started to both dress like and adopt the mannerisms yeah. of he's turning, He's in turning into Alex Ferguson. And I don't know whether this is like, you know, the fly, yeah. only in slow motion. <laughs> Ferguson by degrees. Next week... He'll be wanking off a racehorse yeah. into a beaker <laughs> and having a pint of wine for breakfast. Yeah, so I don't... But he is. He's wearing the same clothes. He's standing in the same posture. He's starting to turn into Alex Ferguson. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I think that there is something about a Scandinavian accent which, which, is, which is a bit Scottish by nature. So, Well, it's very true. I mean, the, the, some of the Northern Islanders of, of Scotland have very Scandinavian-sounding accents to the British ear. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's actually going to turn into Alex Ferguson. Because, I mean, you know my theory on Manchester United managers. Is it that they that they all revert to the mean and that is Sir Alex Ferguson? No. No. Manchester United have only ever had two decent managers. I think that that's probably a defensible position. It's a yeah. more than defensible position and I can prove it using the mighty power of numbers. Oh, well, yeah. I'm just bringing up Manchester United's honours list. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is. I will grant you, even before we've we've looked at the actual statistics of this, 
just off the top of my head, it is it's quite heavily skewed into t- two main patterns of distribution. Manchester United, so far as I can see from here, I just need to double check when Matt Busby. In the interest of Manchester rivalry, that bald fraud Matt Busby. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You can't say I'm not, I'm, you know, you can't say I'm not impartial. Oh, come on, the man nearly died. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's I too know. too soon. I mean, obviously he is now. He actually did, yeah. From old he, age. He both nearly died and then actually died. Too soon. He's been actually dead almost 30 years. Those, yeah, those two, those two events, it'd 40 be years apart. It'd be 114 if he was still alive. Well, so Manchester United. Let me just. Oh, for fuck's pissing fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Live computing here. Oh, I pressed the I pressed the the um the close button on the brow on oh. the tab on the browser. So I've got to go right the way around the houses because I can't remember how to just undo that. I know there's a way of undoing it. Manchester United total honours yeah excluding Alex Ferguson and uh, Matt Busby Matt Baldy I make it two league championships in 1908 and 1911 yep and four FA Cups in 1909 1977 uh, 83 and 85 both of which were big and wrong yeah. and that's your lot no league cups no European trophies well hang on a minute oh sorry one, uh, they won, sorry they won the UEFA oh sorry yes won UEFA Cup oh, sorry, I had to scroll down to get to that well, yeah, but that's because Sir Alex Ferguson just won so much. If if you have an alternate universe in which they carried on making the decisions that they made between Busby and Ferguson, and then from Ferguson on, if they carried on making those decisions, I think Manchester United would probably be a bit like Sheffield Wednesday or somebody. You know. Yeah couple of league titles a really 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 long time ago and just nothing since because there are some teams who bite your hand off mm. for the success that Sheffield Wednesday have enjoyed oh yeah yeah I mean it's a so- it's a sobering thought 20 league titles and yep. 12 FA Cups it's 32 trophies of those 32 trophies 23 were won by two managers yeah the thing is that there's an element of blind dumb luck about that. That's that's just a fact. I don't think that many people looking in in 1985 or 86 time would have thought that Alex Ferguson would end up being the most successful manager in the history of English club football and by no, a maybe not. just an unthinkable distance. Well, maybe they should have done because that's the way it turned out, yeah. folks. There you go. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer turning into Sir Alex Ferguson notwithstanding. Yeah. What, what do we reckon to Manchester United's chances this year? Because I looked at all of the squads uh, before the mm. season kicked off and on paper, at least... I can't see any reason why Manchester United couldn't win the league. Yeah. Their squad is as good as any of their rivals. And they've 
unlike a number of their rivals, added to it. Yeah. Rather, you know, in quite an exciting... Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the first two impressions I took from, Sat- from, from their word on Saturday was firstly, they did it all in about a quarter of an hour. Yep. And I've kind of got this recollection of them having done this before over the last few years. They'd have the occasional match or two where they suddenly really look like a title-winning team. And then a week week or two later, they've drawn with Burnley and lost at home to Southampton or something and 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 they're yeah. and you know and the the knives are drawn again. Um I mean the thing is that they have just signed Jaden Sancho. Yes, which is the best signing of the summer. Paul Pogba is one of those who you know, if he can be asked if he can be yeah. if he can be yeah. bothered, he might just be the best player in the world. But the fact of the matter is that the kind of sometimes can't be bothered um, tends to uh, become a little bit too regular. He's a, he's a strange one, you know. He plays in fits and starts. He is a strange bird, and in fact, he looks like a magpie. He does a little bit with his, current, with his yeah, with his current with his current do. He's a wonderful player, but I have to say that Leeds opened up very, very easily. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I would be more concerned if I was a supporter of Leeds United than any other Premier League team after this weekend, with the possible exception of Arsenal. We'll come back to them. We'll come back to them. <laughs> they were very poor during that period. They kept on allowing themselves to get opened up and opened up and opened up. Pogba made four assists, and they were all good passes. But none of them, I didn't think, were world-beating passes. You know? Yeah. It, there was there were two or three. I mean, one of them I think was offside, um, or would have been well, last season, or whatever. Yeah, stick stick a pin in that because we're yeah. going to come back we'll, to we'll, that we'll, issue. We'll come back to it. And at least two of the other three just looked like fairly straightforward uh, passes against a defence that was practically non-existent. I mean, Leeds were missing Calvin Phillips, which is a big miss. He was on the bench. So was that missing or did Bielsa drop him? I'm not sure which it was. If he he did drop him, it was probably a foolish move. He dropped a bollock, yeah. But then again, I mean, if you are in a situation where your entire Premier League survival depends on the fitness of one player. That's, well, that's not necessarily. That's, that's a big problem. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't read it like that. I read it like if Leeds are to be defensively sound, they need at the very least for Calvin Phillips to be there doing what he is very good at doing. It was a little bit mystifying why he was left out of the team, but I have to say that I haven't read up on it. This is a this is the match that I a match that I saw, but I didn't really read about afterwards. I wasn't particularly interested in going back to it and finding out what people had to say about it. And meanwhile, of course, Manchester United have signed Raphael Varane. Yeah, which is another very very good signing. Yeah, ultimately, Alex Ferguson would would have won the Premier League with this squad. Oh would, yeah! Not not yeah. only would he have won it, he would have pissed it. Yeah. Whether or not just looking like Sir Alex Ferguson is going to be good enough, <laughs> sounding like I mean, him. Oh yeah, he needs to work on that. But yeah, I think he I think he's got it in. 
He just needs to stop talking to the BBC next. I think that'll be yeah. The next move. Well, yeah. I mean, that's you know, a lot of people have stopped talking to the BBC, haven't they? We didn't do overly amounts wrong, other than the two goals, really poor goals on our the way that we normally operate. Um, we created enough chances to certainly get a nose in front, which we were possibly further so, which you have to do in the Premier League, of course, because it's never easy, um, and we come away disappointed. This weekend was our first view of the Wild West of VAR, VAR's new tactical innovation whereby it will observe what goes on. Yeah, it, it, It's going to try not to intervene where possible, because I think what people have realised is the thing that really gets people angry is when VAR comes along and starts disallowing goals. Yeah. So what they what they've done, it seems, is they they're just allowing everything. Now. Yeah, they've just they've changed they've changed the rules, so now there are no rules. There was VAR is still there, but uh, but now there are no rules. The key issue, I think, in in this was the opening goal in the match between relegation hopefuls Burnley and Brighton. Yeah, the opening the opening goal that Burnley scored. I note that this match is considerably higher up our match of the day listing than it was up match well, of yeah. the day's match of the day listing. Oh well, and with very good reason. But this this one's up our our uh, agenda so high simply because that first goal that Burnley scored, which featured James Tarkovsky just you know marching through the. Brighton defence like Rambo yeah <laughs> seemingly unaffected by any notions of, of rules nor the prospect of even you know being caught breaking the rules by the normally oppressive hand of the video assistant referee you're angry about this then well no not really I mean actually VAR is one of the reasons that I, I got out of watching football so in a way it's quite nice to see it being um shall we say a little bit fettled back but at the same time if you've got it and it's in action you <laughs> do have to use it sometimes well they've evidently they've evidently you know spoken to the referees and said just you've got to give less you know <laughs> yeah but you've still got to give fouls and offsides <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and but, it was know. happening. It happened. It wasn't just in the Brighton and Burnley game. It was in a, a lot of games. We, we were talking about the Manchester United game as well. There was a, a marginal decision. I think it was for Fernandez's second goal, mm. which in which he was given the benefit of the doubt. Which you know, I'm, I'm okay with that, particularly as. I would describe the Leeds defender's position as not interfering with play. Yeah, I mean, th- th- that's the thing, isn't it? And, and again, this comes back to how much of this is getting the rub of the green. There's a parallel universe somewhere where the offside is given and the Leeds defender, where Fernandez's shot only just crosses the line, the Leeds defender actually decides to try and intercept the ball before it crosses the line rather than fucking afterwards. I was infuriated by that. I was like, why didn't he even try to... You know, he could see where the line was. And it wasn't like he had to travel any further for it. He just had to have... It just had to be at a different angle. I thought it was really, really kind of sloppy, you know. In another world, his leg is six inches to the left or the right or whatever. 
and that doesn't mm. go in, suddenly Bruno Fernandes has only scored one on the opening day of the season and Manchester United aren't quite being raved about. And that might be actually, a, you know, 3-1 might actually be a fairer reflection of what went on on the pitch. Possible. It's, you know, it was a good performance, but... Leeds were a bit shambolic. Um, the goals all came in this kind of cluster, which I'm sure I've seen Manchester United do before. In, like I say, in recent years. And I'm, you know, you're not going to get a confident prediction out of me after the first game. Just to let you know. <laughs> I'm going to say Liverpool, because no one else has gone for them. And I'll look like a genius if they do. I don't fucking know. Yeah. I don't mean I haven't seen anybody say Manchester United, so I'm going to say Manchester United. Oh. What we've done there is we've both selected the t- two most successful teams in England. Well done, us. Yeah, well, you know, we are incredible. I mean, with the with the VAR thing, I think when it when it comes down to what decisions they're going to allow and what they're going to give wiggle room to, what we need to remember is. What my old mum taught me, which is, it's not the angle of the dangle, but the bend at the end. <sighs> <laughs> she she didn't follow football, but, uh, you know, I think she had a, a keener understanding of the the, the key issues to uh, of it than I realised. Well, than you, anyway. But anyway. Well, anyway certainly yeah, than me. Moving on. As long as Mikel Arteta is manager of this club, more of this shit will happen. Man can't be telling me, oh, this guy's injured, that guy's injured, this guy's injured, that guy's injured. That was bread. That was a championship team, so, yeah? That wasn't City, a Liverpool, a United, a Chelsea, a Tottenham. That was Brentford, yeah? And we got outplayed, yeah? By Brentford FC. Brentford football. Their first season in the Premier League. This is the moment that Ian's been waiting for because the Premier League season began on Friday night, which obviously is something which aggravates and infuriates me in equal measure, but there's not really an awful lot I can do about it. And when push came to shove, it was quite an interesting uh, first game. It was, wasn't it? Would you like to relate to the listeners what happened in the Premier League's opening game in the 2021-2022 season? Yes, by all means, I'd be delighted to. (laughs) Um, In the first match of the 2021-22 Premier League season at the Brentford Community Stadium in Brentford. I think it's Middlesex. Yeah, Griffin Park to the Griffining. Playing their first top flight match in English football in 74 years and three months. Interestingly enough, against the team who they played in their last top flight match. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they handed them their buttocks on a (laughs) silver platter. Delicious, creamy Arsenal buttocks. Yeah. Sprig of parsley between the cheeks. <laughs> yeah, and it was. Um... It was glorious. I mean, fucking hell! I, I'd, I've said I've, I was saying to somebody uh, the other day actually that for the last few years, the best thing 
about supporting Tottenham Hotspur has been Arsenal. Yeah. Which doesn't say very much for either club, might I add. Uh, yeah, I mean, Arsenal have done you a real solid in the you last know. few seasons. I mean, this is the thing. Every, you know, Arsenal supporters getting on the getting on the Farmers Club bandwagon. Might I just point you back at last season's Premier League table? <laughs> Arsenal were an absolute fucking shambles, weren't they? They, I, I mean, we got about thirty-five minutes into this game. I tweeted this. Um, that my conclusion is that I don't. I just don't think there's a plan here, and it, if yeah. there is, I don't see what it. I don't see what it is. With Brentford, you could see how this had come from set squares and spreadsheets you know the passing was all very crisp the players were always where they needed to be there was obviously considerable considerable thought given to off the ball movement so right okay he's got the ball here so you need to be here and you need to be here so that when the ball goes on to him he can pass it on to you etc yeah everything looked worked out Arsenal just kept shooting ridiculously high and wide from 30 yards and (laughs) their triangles had rounded ends you know they didn't have points it was they were messy yeah every season you go into it thinking this will be the year they do it again it's been Mm. 17 years now since Arsenal won the league and that's the point where you start thinking we're kind of due one. Not with this squad, then. Not... And then it gets to the first end of the first game of the season, and this happens. Arsenal's biggest problem, in terms of you know whether or not they're going to be able to break their streak, mm. is that this is a, a very anonymous looking squad. I knew as many of the Brentford players as I knew the Arsenal players, and actually Brentford and Arsenal stand as two sides of the coin in terms of how you're going to go about building your team, building your squad for the future. Brentford have all been about, they got rid of their youth academy and they had a little dalliance with sabermetrics for a while. And it, 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 it's it's come out with this this team who are, you know, a bit of a hodgepodge of the players that other Premier League teams have chosen to reject for whatever reason but it works Arsenal have got a lot of young players who've come through their youth programme none of whom ever seem to have met this is the thing you see if I'm looking at the Arsenal team and I'm thinking okay right so if you're a young player who's just coming through and they've got a few of these who do you look up to well that's very true I mean obviously I know that it's a little bit unfashionable these days to talk about leaders (laughs) but it is important to have people on a football pitch who lead by example i mean it is true you know and it does make a difference especially when you've got younger impressionable players who might even be craving yeah yeah you know older players who to, to to show them what they're actually supposed to be doing it's it's not experience because experience in itself doesn't necessarily have to be a good thing. It's these qualities of of leadership yeah. that they're that they're completely absolutely absent. 
if you're a young player and you stepping out to play for Italy. Yeah. And, well, there's Chiellini. Been there, he's done it. Been there, done it. And he is going to lift you as a player and make you a better player. There is nobody <laughs> on the pitch for Arsenal who is going to make a young player. Come out on the pitch at the Emirates and you... I looked, I looked over my shoulder. I saw Hector Bellerin and I... <laughs> I felt a swell of confidence that nothing could go wrong now. Yeah, but it, it's ridiculous, and 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 they are playing like what they are. You know, they are mid-table Arsenal. Well, uh, yeah, I think. So. And I don't see, I don't see any improvement. Could be worse. And I mean, you you obviously bit the nail on the head when you said to me they're going to beat Chelsea and Manchester City now in their next two games, which. Mm, I don't know. I'll, I'll kind of take them picking up some points for those games because that means that those two teams are dropping points. You know, these are no-lose fixtures for yeah. me. Somebody's going to drop points and it ain't going to be Spurs. <laughs> you know, not even Spurs could drop points from Arsenal playing Chelsea and Manchester That's City. That's true. They're, they're a free throw as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's, yeah, it's all gravy from that point. But it, I mean, it is true to say that Arsenal's captain, obviously, is a striker, which is something that I personally don't like. Mm-hmm. It's a striker, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Yeah. Can't, can't deny that he's a good player, but at the same time, he's also a Gabonese international. Mm. His availability, therefore, is famously... Flaky. Well, he was he was ill apparently, or something. Yeah, him and Lacazette. Yeah, but that it left the team basically being captained by the single most unpopular player <laughs> at the football club, Granite Xhaka. Mm. That could be a tactical masterstroke in some in some world, but it didn't work in this one. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, it's the problems are deep rooted and structural. Everything is wrong with yeah. it, you know, and it, it a fish rots from the head down, and it's it, it starts with an owner who is the absolute worst owner that a Premier League club with ambition could have, because he doesn't care enough to actually put m- money into the team at any significant level. He doesn't mm. care enough to actually put the people in place who can stop that club from being so fucking dysfunctional. And <laughs> but but it is though, isn't it? It's like, you know, it is 50 yeah. million pounds on Ben White. Yeah, that uh, that could have been a, a tax. I, I just I mean, God bless him. He was he was perfectly good for Brighton. I was a bit surprised to see him in the England squad, but then I thought, you know, well, maybe I just haven't been paying enough attention. F- Fifty million pounds on him. Well, it's a good job that England didn't have to play Brentford at the Euros. Yeah, you ju- you just take a step back from it and think, of what level did you think that that was the best way that you could spend fifty million pounds? Ten lottery yeah. wins. Yeah, worth of money. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's insane. <laughs> and the and insane. this is one of the things that comes, of course, with you know transfers going a little bit crazy and what have you. Is that if you want to compete with the elite four, five, six clubs or whatever, 
then it's too expensive to do a complete overhaul. You can't bring in 8, 9, 10, 50 million pound players anymore. Or 70 million pound players. Or 100 million pound players anymore. If you've got to start from nothing. And I really do think Mm -hmm. that that's probably what Arsenal need. They need a complete overhaul from the ground up. Mm. It's too expensive. Yeah. And of course, it's expensive, not just in, in terms of money, but in terms of time, because you can't buy the kind of experience and gravitas that, say, somebody like Chiellini gives to Italy. Yeah. You can't you can't just buy that and plug it in. No, you, that has to be built yeah, up. Yeah, it does. It might take eight or nine years. But the, 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 of course, the thing is that the one thing that Arsenal well, can't say that they haven't been given is time. Yeah, they've had plenty of that. They've had plenty of fucking time. Plenty of fucking money. They were regulars <laughs> in the Champions League until fairly recently. It's all gone so horribly wrong, hasn't it? 60, well, I remember having a conversation in about 2007 with Dave Boyle, who was then at Supporters Direct. I don't think he was running the gaff then, but he was he was there at that point. And we were talking about like the future of the Premier League. And he said to me, the future belongs to Arsenal. <laughs> 60,000 capacity stadium yeah, yeah, in London. Yeah. And the most expensive season tickets in English football. Yep. In London, for the players who want to come and live in or near the big city. Yep. The perfect location. Perfect. Can't um, go wrong. The history... They've got this weirdly kind of... They've still got this kind of weirdly hipstery feel to them, haven't they? Oh, well, so they've, yeah, the they've got that, that sort of hipstery, trendy establishment kind yeah. of feel. But there's also, of course, the unfulfilled promise. So th- there's also yeah. something there for the player who's like, well, I want to go and do something that's never been done yeah. before. Be, be, be you know, European be, be champions with us. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got all that going for you. <laughs> and then it's this one decision. This one decision. Yeah. These old farts in fucking dusty suits in the ballroom who profess themselves to be the custodians of the club until someone came along with enough fucking dollar. Yeah. And then suddenly he's running the gaff. And like I say, he's the worst sort. Because on the one hand, he doesn't care enough to do all the things that need to be done. But on the other hand, he sure as hell loves money. Well, it's, it's it's like the opposite of Barcelona, isn't it? In that Barcelona sold a dream that they couldn't afford to pay for. Arsenal yeah. have got all the money that they could ever want. But they've sold the one thing that you can't buy back, which is like the soul of of what made them successful. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling that they've been at the Emirates Stadium for 15 years yeah. and haven't won the league there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I just, I, you know, I find that really difficult. And I, and I get it. I, I support Tottenham Hotspur. I'm in no fucking state to laugh about that. No. 60 years. <laughs> but, but, but the point is that they were there and they had it. 
They won a fucking season in the Premier League unbeaten. Well, yeah, I mean... I still, you know, I still don't think... And again, you know, I'm a Tottenham supporter. I still don't think they they get enough credit for that. No. But, I mean, Tottenham weren't in a position where two years before they'd gone unbeaten in the Premier League season and then they got a new 60,000-seater arena. Yeah, final of the Champions League. Final of the Champions League. I mean... What went a goal up? Yeah, all right. Get 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 some clothes back on. Come on. I can hear you rubbing your nips. I jumped up on my knee and um, he yeah, just started growling a bit in his throat, and I just touched his jaw a little bit, and it sounded like Anthony. So I thought, oh, that sounds okay. Why should he say Anthony? Well, that's uh, my brother's name. Does he still remember Anthony? Get him, get him to say it. Say Anthony, Prince. <laughs> in his throat, you know, he growls for notes and that, and uh, I, I just, as you can say, I move his throat, you know, his jaw a little bit, and I just I pronounce his words in his, his throat. It doesn't hurt him at all? No, well, no. Where did he go after Anthony? I think next, next thing he went on to were uh, sausages. <laughs> Why should he do sausages? Well, George next door gives him sausages, you know, he comes out every Thursday with a plate of sausages, you know, and puts him on the back doorstep, and Prince goes and... That's a good tucking. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you have on a Thursday, Prince. Well, yeah, what's your skippy, Prince? Yeah. What? <laughs> Before we get into our regular features, I want to introduce what could be a regular feature. Uh, it could oh, not be a regular feature. Jamie Vardy opened the scoring for Leicester City. It's the second season in a row that he scored Leicester's first goal of the Premier League season. Okay. And I thought that this year, to mark every single one of Jamie Vardy's Premier League goals, we'll have a Jamie Vardy fact. Because Jamie Vardy is, of course, one of the most fascinating professional footballers in England. His exploits and adventures never cease to give us all sucker. Yeah. This week's Jamie Vardy fact. Jamie Vardy's dog smokes roll-ups. Okay, fair enough. So there you go. Stay tuned for more Jamie Vardy facts as and when... Yeah, if he scores any more goals this season. As and when he scores any more goals this season or his lawyer finds out about the Jamie Vardy facts... (laughs) Portion of this podcast. Yeah. Let's move on to another one of what will hopefully become a regular feature. Listeners' questions, because you once again asked for some listeners' questions. That's the second week in a row that I've done it. And they didn't disappoint. They were some very in-depth questions I've been looking forward to mangling the shit out of. They did. So, um, let's delve into the post bag. Ian Haddingham asks, Why can't you replace Garth Crooks on Football Focus and the BBC website? Now that's a very interesting question. My very first reaction is, of course, you take that back, because um, well, yeah, we're a very pro Garth Crooks podcast. But then I get why I get why people find him really annoying. But I, yeah, I a, do. A also. I, 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 I think he's interestingly <laughs> weird. 
And uh, uh, yeah, I I will always treasure the fact that he seems to be rolling his eyes back into his head, almost as if to read the words off of his brain. Yeah, as they yeah. Are, are formed. Yeah. Oh, I've got no desire whatsoever to ever do anything related to television. Fuck that shit. Would you Would you be interested in taking over his weekly Garth Crooks' Team of the Week column? Obviously, I'd have to rename it. Oh, I'd rip that shit up. There'd be some very interesting <laughs> names going into that team, including quite a few people that got nothing to do with football. There, yeah, there will be a number of five-alarm hot take players. Yeah, consider this my pitch. <laughs> <laughs> He's past 60 now, isn't he, Garth Crooks? He's probably... If he isn't already past 60, he'd be knocking on the door. I would have thought he is past 60. Yeah, well, there you go. Looking very, very good on it. Next, a three-in-one. Yes. Would you credit it? From Barry, from the cold end. Good blog, read it. It's about non-league football in in and around London. Yeah. Um, how much do you think Harry Kane is really worth? Well, that's a very that is a, that's possibly the hardest of all the questions that I saw. I thought it was the easiest. <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. But I mean, I, it's so difficult to tell with transfers now. I mean, if I were privy to the spreadsheet at Manchester City that informs me how much they estimate they would get in terms of revenue and so forth for winning the Champions League with Harry Kane, then I could probably put a number on it. As Jack Grealish cost £100 million, I would say he's worth £101 million. Interesting. There you go. Just, you know, it's a token. Because after £100 it's all just it's tokenistic at that point, isn't it? You... Well, you see, I mean, my answer to that question was going to be as much as someone's prepared to pay for him and as much as someone is prepared to sell him for, whichever is the... I think, yeah, pot. I think that that's probably a more accurate no. depiction of how transfers work. Well, that, but that's the problem, isn't it? That the, the transfer fees have stopped making sense. They're just numbers plucked out of fresh air now. When 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 transfers went up kind of incrementally, yeah, by you know a couple of hundred thousand a time or whatever, then it was easier to say, well, the next transfer fee is going to be two or three hundred thousand quid more than this. Yeah, you had a chance but to what... steal yourself to be ready for the first two million pound player, the first four million pound player. Yeah, but when PSG paid Barcelona. 222 million euros for um, Neymar. Which, I mean, that was taking the piss, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like, well, what does that even... What does it mean? And and that's the thing, you see. There are so many taxes on it, because everybody knows everybody else's business. This is the other thing. There's so much more data available. Everybody knows who's desperate for a new striker or desperate for a new defender. There's, it's known that there's a tax for English players. I've heard that there have been suggestions that English players are starting to tack up in value because there's some talk that uh, there might be issues in the future with visas for foreign players. I have also heard this. You know, it's been telegraphed all summer. Everybody's known almost every last detail about the Harry Kane saga. That wouldn't have been possible 40 years ago. No, no. You know? And and so that has changed the rules. 
Um, but the transfer market is still stuck within that world of old rules. Yeah. So the answer is they don't make any sense. And the only way to approach them, which will allow you to retain your sanity, is to just start from the basis that they don't mean anything. It's not your money. doesn't matter. Just let it wash over you. And be grateful it's not you that has to write the check for it. Three up, three down from the National League to League Two. Good idea or bad idea? I like it. Good idea. I can't think of a reason why not. doesn't make any sense that it's only two. No. In fact, the fact that it's only two is a historical hangover. Yeah. To when the Football League and non-league football were just entirely separate bodies that didn't have anything to do with each other and the league was just a members club that you had to grovel to join. Of course. Um, So when they got rid of that and brought in automatic promotion and relegation, they could only go for one place in the first place and then that was very very pleasingly doubled to two which they really needed because everybody else had playoffs and the National League couldn't have playoffs because you know it was champions only up so that was a an important thing to happen that was donkeys years ago now and yeah it needs a third promotion and relegation place of course it does although the only caveat I would put on that is that you couldn't guarantee that the National League with the incompetence who run it <laughs> wouldn't say, oh, we're going to give the third promotion place out to the team with the biggest crowds. Oh, God. You know, or something like that. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah, I can see it. But yeah, I mean, it is, it's an anachronism. And it comes from a time when most of the teams in at that level wouldn't be sufficiently set up to play in the league. That's no longer an issue. Yeah, yeah. It's, most of the yeah, teams in yeah. non-league now have been in the league. So that brings us on to our next question, as it goes. Yes. Yes. Which is from Follow the Trawler at Follow Trawler on uh, Twitter. They do the, I think one of them does the match program for for the Met Police. Mm, There you go. In the Ismian League Premier Division. How many years do you think it will be until we see a once Premier League team relegated into non league? Not many. I think it might be one or two. Uh, because I think that actually having seen highlights of both of their games this season, uh, I'm afraid that Swindon Town have been... They might have been rescued from this terrible chairman during the summer. But he, the the club was basically left with no players and the manager just... They, they, they had to bring in a manager and a bunch of players at the last kind of minute and uh, yep. they have looked pretty poor from what I've seen of them so far. Uh, so I think that Swindon might have a very difficult season, and as they did a year in the Premier League in nineteen ninety three ninety four. Yeah. Um, at the moment, they would be the red hot favourites to to go. I think that they've got rivals. That rival, particularly here, is Oldham Athletic. Oldham Athletic, a, yeah, a club who've lost both of their opening games of the season are registered car-carrying cuckoo bananas. Yep, they've got this. And they're also in the Premier League. Yep, they've got that fella in charge. In fact, weren't they relegated the same season? Were they relegated the same season? It's Yeah, it's very possible. Well, they may they may have held on a little bit longer. But, yeah, yeah Swind- Swindon and Oldham's time in the Premier League was fleeting. But they were in the Premier League. 
Yeah, I mean, the lowest placed team that have played in the Premier League in League One after two after two matches are Charlton Athletic, who are 18th and have drawn one yeah. and lost one. I don't think it's inconceivable that Swindon and Oldham could both get relegated this season. Uh, yeah, so. it's possible, yeah. It's a little bit early to say. Um, I have to say that what I saw of Bristol Rovers, their last match, they looked fucking awful. They got beaten at home by Stevenage, who finished bottom last season. Yeah. And um yeah, they were they were they were they were dreadful. So, you know, make a they're, they're out there, they're they're gonna be the spoiler. But yeah. And uh, we got one more. Got time for one what do you mean we've got one time for one more? This is a question for me for, for, for both of us. But I think you should answer it. Okay. Um how many of the players that Chelsea have sold for a fee this summer can you name? Well, the answer is a very brief one. None of them. Yep, absolutely none. No idea. Um, no I idea. assume that everyone plays for Chelsea, unless it's otherwise stated. People who are not turning out for Chelsea and are turning out for other teams, I just assume are on loan. What I will say is that I, I thought it was very interesting this weekend. The European champions, Chelsea. <laughs> Opened their account with a relatively comfortable win at home against Crystal Palace. The final goal was scored by Trevor Chalabar. Yeah. He's a youth team product. And he greeted the goal by running off and then promptly bursting into tears, which I think tells you everything you need to know about the, <laughs> the, the general state of being a youth product coming through the Chelsea yeah. Academy. And I hope that the memory of that is going to help keep him warm when he's waking up in a hotel bed in Reading this winter. Yeah. Well, <laughs> do you know how many players Chelsea have offloaded this summer? Oh, it's just... I, I mean, it was. I saw a list and it, it, it was like transfer fees. It just... I had to just stop reading it in the end. This is from the Premier League's website, so I'd assume it to be up to date, you know. Yeah, uh, they have released either permanently or on loan twenty yep. players, Jesus, including such celebrated names as Willie Caballero, mm-hmm. Billy Gilmore, about whom so much fuss was made during the Euros. Yeah, uh, Victor Moses, mm-hmm. finally gone to Spartak Moscow. Okay. The very lovely, handsome Olivier Giroud. <laughs> he is a very handsome man. So most of the rest of them I never heard of. But, you know, there's there's some solid names in there. You know, some... There's, yeah, there's a lot of business that's been going on. Yeah, I mean, in answer to your question, no. No. <laughs> no. no. Can, can you answer any, any... No, no. I did... I saw another question that we were asked. That was from, that was from Patrick Harrison, if I didn't say it before. I can't remember. The... Premier League manager sack race. Oh yeah. Oh, of course there was. Yes. Who do I think? Who do you right? Okay, go on then. Who do you think? Who do you? Well, think I looked. Be? I looked into it using a method that I think I thought that you would approve of, which is checking the latest William Hill odds. Okay. Right. Well, this isn't exactly re- going and reading a web. A- 
betting website does not constitute analysis. Edward. It doesn't constitute analysis, nor does it constitute my opinion. However, according to William Hill, the favourite is Mikel Arteta. Yeah. F- five to two, followed by Patrick Vieira, five to one. Obviously, the people are obviously mindful of Crystal Palace's rather scattershot approach to appointing new managers. I don't know, really. I mean, I mean Rafael Benitez gets a, I think, rather inhospitable 16 to 1. I, I, fa- I mean, I fancy it could be Arteta. Um, well, it depends, doesn't it? I think we'll have a better idea in two games' time. I mean, it could the... be Arteta. It could be. It might be Steve Bruce. You never know. Newcastle. Uh, I don't think it will be. I know he's he's in too deep, isn't he? You know. Yeah, he's got an enormous head. Yeah, very, very, very big head. I will go for. Oh, it's it's so difficult, isn't it? What do you reckon to uh, Sean Dyche at Burnley? Now, I know I having watched match of the day with you. I know exactly what you think of Sean Dyche. Oh, well. Which is that you can't get through a single interview without giggling like Homer Simpson's heard the word titmouse. Yeah, I just I just can't. I can't. Because what happens is I hear it and it makes me laugh a lot. And because <laughs> I laugh. Gravelly, yeah, gravelly because time. I laugh so much, all I can hear of it is just these noises in the background of him going. Yeah. And, like and that just singing. makes me laugh even more yeah. <laughs> when it becomes almost inaudible and all I can hear is Sean Dyche making Sean Dyche noises. It's a perpetual loop of hilarity. I don't think it will be him because he's been there too long. He is the longest-serving manager of any of the Premier League clubs. Yeah, I'm going to go for Vieira. I'm going to go for well, Patrick Vieira. It's it wouldn't be without precedent. Yeah, I think it'll be Arteta. I mean, it could, uh, Zisco, the Watford manager, is rated seven to one, and again, Watford, it wouldn't be without precedent. Yeah, but then they won on Saturday, and his odds his odds might have gone out after that. Watford tend to view these things as like a rolling one-year contract with a different manager every year. So yep. they're, they're going to be loath to get rid of somebody just a few months and few weeks into the season. I, I think the bigger mistake has probably been Vieira to Crystal Palace. So that's the one that, that will need to be rectified the most quickly. Well, there you go. That's all of uh, that's all of that solved. That's There's all. There we go. The football has finally been answered. A little bit of laughter between Gale and Olsen, and here's Bennett. And what would the referee give for that? Was there intent on the part of Gary Bailey as Garton made the mistake? He came across. Well, it looks as though he's pointing to the spot. Yes, indeed, he is. A penalty has been given. Penalty against Gary Bailey, who flung himself through the air and caught Bennett, but whether with intent or not, well, the referee decided that it was with intent. And Walker with a chance of his second goal of the afternoon. And it's two all in spite of a very, very brave attempt by Gary Bailey, who got his hands to the ball, but the pace of it beat him. Wasn't able to divert it round the post, only into the corner of the goal. Once again, all that's left for us to do is to dabble in match of the week. Yeah. This week, 
comes from the di- first division, 24th of November 1984. Yeah. From Roker Park, Sunderland. Yeah. Sunderland versus Manchester United. Yeah, I thought you'd enjoy that one. Well, it was a bit, it was an interesting game. It quite heavily um, weighted towards the first half. A lot of first half incidents. Yes, five. Well, all five goals. I think all five goals yeah. and two sendings off. Yeah, and two sendings off. And and here's, I mean, the, the the most noticeable thing about that is that Manchester United really, really just lost control, didn't they? Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen a game where a team has been given two penalties and they were both such definite penalties. <laughs> because there was absolutely no question about either one of them. Yeah, I mean, in the first 15 minutes... Norman Whiteside hits the bar. Yeah. And then Manchester United have gone 2-0 up, courtesy of Brian Robson and Mark Hughes. Yeah. And that's within 15 minutes. Mm. By the end of the first half, Man United have conceded two penalties. Clive Walker has scored both of them, plus another one, and both sides are down to 10 men. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one of the players who's been sent off has been Mark Hughes which I think is a, probably a bigger loss for yeah. Manchester United than... For fighting with David Hodgson. Yeah, than, than David Hodgson was for Sunderland I, just don't I think it's... Um, do you, so you're it's... An, an interesting little detail about not this match but this, this Sunderland season. I mean firstly they were relegated. They were relegated yeah. They were the runners up in the League Cup yeah. to Norwich City, who were also relegated. They were, both relegated, yeah. Norwich City uh, were relegated with the highest number of points that a team has ever had. Yeah. 49 points. Yeah. It was all courtesy of Stoke City having a dismal, dismal year. Yeah, but what I mean, what is notable about this, all of this, is that uh, what you're seeing out there uh, what Sunderland are wearing mm. is the first Nike football kit. Oh, is it now? Certainly in this country. That's very exciting. I actually I noticed um, that the Manchester United kit—they were all all it's, in blue. It's a gorgeous kit, that one, isn't it? The numbers had a little Adidas logo on, and I thought, well, that's yeah. quite advanced for 1984. I didn't realise the significance of the other kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I say, I don't, I don't know. It's probably not worldwide. I can't imagine they wouldn't have been supplying them in America rather than just you know getting in contact with Sunderland out of the blue. I don't know. I've never looked into it. I should do. It's probably an interesting story behind it. And Clive Walker hat trick. Well, I don't. You don't need to tell me about Clive Walker because I'll tell you this. <laughs> yeah, I grew up. I grew up watching Clive Walker in his dotage. And he was still always the best and most exciting player on the pitch. Yeah. Bald as a coot. Bald as a, a common or garden pet Guardiola. Yeah. But a yeah. excellent, excellent football player. Yeah. I've just thought of a good joke. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a visual one, so I'm not going to do it on the podcast. <laughs> oh, well. That was match of the week. Sunderland... Back on top. Link on the website. It's it's a really entertaining game. And and the thing is that a lot of these matches from the early and mid-80s, the camera people had really got the measure of how to make it feel as if you're there. It's always very atmospheric. Ron Atkinson's leather jacket. Yeah. 
I, I don't know how many cows it took to make it, but they did not lay those lives down in vain. No, it's a coat and a half, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Anyway, right, is that it? Have we done? I believe so. Can I go yeah. home now? Yes. Excellent. Right, you can find him on Twitter, should you wish to, at 200% podcast. Yes. I have no idea why you would want to. He is a revolting social media presence. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually I've been voted one of the worst things on Twitter. Really? Yeah. Yeah. See the fact I was... that I can consider that with credibility. <laughs> so... There was a judging panel including Piers Morgan. Yeah. Me. <laughs> you, Donald Trump and Julia Hartley Brewer. Yeah, what a night that was. What a night that was! Yeah. It's good to know that I, you know, I might not be the worst person in amongst those, but I'm, you know, I'm in the conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Anyway, <laughs> right. You can find him on Twitter at two double zero percent podcast. You can find me at two ht. We'll be back again same time next week. It's good to be back. I'm enjoying these. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you again same time next week. Bye bye. <laughs>